Good morning, Broadway Christian Church. Good morning, Pastor Ryan Cochran. I am... Thanks, Jaden. Appreciate it. Jaden Moore. I am, I'm really excited about this, this moment in our, in our life as a church together. I, I said this a couple of weeks ago uh, during our celebration Sunday that this is a, a pivot moment for us in a church. And uh, we've just completed the, the major phase of, of a very major renovation project here in our church. And I believe that, that God is preparing us for a season of, of new and good and beautiful things. And I, I have some, some pictures of what some of those things are going to be, and others I'm sure are going to be surprises along the way, but uh, I am really excited about this moment in the life of our church. And so we're, we're beginning, part of that is that we're beginning a, a sermon series this week uh, called Following Jesus Together. And we're going to be looking at some of the particular characteristics that God has, has planted in us as a congregation here at Broadway that enable us to carry out the work of making disciples of Jesus. And I think that this time of, of, of bringing us together, we've, as, as we've been talking about, we've developed a, a curriculum for our small groups uh, that can be used in order to, to help us understand these concepts better. And um, I just hope that this is a time for, for, that God will unify us in heart and mind and give us a very clear vision together of who we are so that wherever God takes us forward, we'll know, that we'll know together who God has called us to be. So, so would you pray for me as we begin this sermon and also as we, we begin uh, this series and this new season in our church's life? Father, we, we thank you for this moment. We, we see ways that you have been uh, orchestrating this time and, and putting things in place for this moment. And, and Lord, we pray uh, today that you would, first of all, speak to us this morning as your people, that we would hear your word to each one of us, that we would be, be challenged to commit more deeply to you, uh, that we would be moved to love you more deeply with our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength. And God, I, I pray that you would continue to, uh, to plant and to sow and to water uh, these these principles that you have given to us, these unique characteristics of our church that you have, that you have made and have created. Uh, Lord, I pray that you continue to, to help those to grow and to bear good fruit in our lives here as a church. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. So there are, are many different local churches here in Fort Wayne. I've heard like 365, maybe. That's, that number sounds a little too convenient, but um, there's a lot of local churches here in Fort Wayne, but we believe and declare that there is one church in many local churches here in Fort Wayne. We, we could probably walk to about a dozen of them right now. Um, there's a couple that are, are, are close enough that I could, could get a seven iron to, okay? Just Trinity Episcopal across the street and St. John's Lutheran over there. It doesn't mean I hit them with a seven iron, but they're close enough that I could. And we, we have Headwaters Church right up the street on Wells and Pathway and Blackhawk and Chapel on the, on the edges of our city. There are many different local expressions of the body of Christ. Many different ways that congregations express themselves. And those particular characteristics are unique to each one, 
And those particular characteristics have been developed over a long period of time. And they are developed because of the gifts and the passions and the insights of that church's leadership, as well as the gifts and the passions of the members of their congregations. And they are also developed in response to the needs of their place to the needs of their particular neighborhood. And certainly the inasmuch ministry is a great example of that here at Broadway, that there were needs in our neighborhood over 30 years ago that caused members of this congregation to ask, how can we meet the material needs of those who are in poverty? And over the last 30 plus years, members of our church have had consistent interaction with those who are in material poverty, those who are financially poor. And that 35 years, that interaction with the poor in our city has shaped us as a congregation in all sorts of ways. Now, if you go out to to southwest to the chapel, there, there are ministries there that have emerged over time as a gospel response to the needs of their particular place to the needs of their particular location. But each of these local churches is an expression of the body of Christ. Each of these have their own unique strengths and weaknesses. Every single one of them has problems, some of them very serious problems with with bad doctrine or with conflict within the church. And all of that is worth it. Christ is transforming in every single church here in our city. There's a passage in Ephesians uh, that I've shared with you before. It was, it was, a, pas- uh, it was a passage that, that changed my life about a dozen years ago when I was uh, preaching through the book of Ephesians at my previous church. And, and these verses are one of the reasons that, I, that I'm a pastor. And it's Ephesians chapter 3, verses 10 through 11. This is what Paul says. That God's intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God would be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. That God's intention was that now, through the church, to make known the the manifold, many-faceted, infinite wisdom of God to the world, even to the rulers in the heavenly places. The, The angels and the demons look at the church and they see God's plans and purposes for the world revealed. That God in his mercy would choose to use the church, this broken, strange community called the church, to reveal himself to the world. That even in our weaknesses and our brokenness and our disunity, God has chosen to use the church to be his revelation to the world of what his plans and purposes are. And when I discovered these verses and I began to really understand what God's purpose was for the church, my calling as a pastor and a shepherd opened up in beautiful ways. And it was a calling that I think I've told you before that when I first started to to be a lead pastor of a church, it wasn't really what I I had intended or what I had really thought that I was called to do in ministry. But when I began to read Ephesians, and in particular these two verses, and began to see God's infinite and eternal and, and and vast plan for the church, it gave me a passion and desire to be a shepherd to local churches. That the manifold wisdom of God is being revealed to the world and to the authorities in the heavenly places. 
And this means a couple of things, that, that, that no one local church can adequately express the manifold wisdom of God. And that should, should both humble us, and it should also challenge us. Broadway is just one expression of the one body of Christ in our city and in our world. We can't, on our own, adequately, adequately express the manifold and infinite wisdom of God to the world. So that should humble us. We're not really that special. Okay? There are other churches in the city that have their way of expressing the manifold wisdom of God to the world in the way that they are called to do it. Churches in other parts of the world have their way that they are called to do that. But at the same time, we are special because we do have our very particular parts to play. A very real expression that is uniquely ours to play that God has for us in our city, in our world, at this time and place. And we need to take that calling very, very seriously. To be a demonstration, a mirror to the world of the manifold wisdom of God. Here at Broadway, we have our own unique way of reflecting God's purpose to the world. In the word of Ephesians, of reflecting the manifold, infinite wisdom of God, our congregation, this church family, is a unique facet of the way that God's glory is demonstrated and revealed to the world. Isn't that a beautiful thing? And as I've shared with you recently over the the last 18 months, the elders at Broadway have spent time reflecting on our unique way the particular characteristic that God, characteristics that God has planted in us that make us who we are and that enable us to be this demonstration to the world and that help us to make disciples of Jesus. And so the four characteristics that, that we have, have, um, have come up with, and I just want to say that we spent uh, about a year praying and fasting and in dialogue about these things. Uh, we, we had an evening where we, we spoke with Pastor Bob over, um, over FaceTime and talked with him about his, his early experiences of Broadway and his calling to Broadway and why he started with Broadway. I went down um, back in February uh, to visit Bob in Maryland, and we had some more discussions about these things. We also gathered uh, leaders who have been a part of Broadway from the very beginning, as well as, as people who are very new to Broadway, to talk to them about their experience of our church, what our church is like, and what it has meant to them. And uh, through that time, there are four unique characteristics that we believe that God has shown us um, about who we are as a church. And those four are this, steadfast worship, healing community, uncommon unity, and faithful witness. Steadfast worship, healing community, uncommon unity, and faithful witness. Amanda, let's change this lettering to black this week, okay, so we can see these better. Steadfast worship, healing community, uncommon unity, and faithful witness. And so over the next 12 weeks, both here on Sunday mornings as well as in your small groups, we are going to be diving more deeply into each of these characteristics of our church. Just some, some images or metaphors to help you think about this. These four things are the, are the roots underneath the surface of the ground that nourish us and that help us to grow and bear fruit. 
Another image might be that these are the four corners of our building that help us to stand strong. Another image is that these are the four secret ingredients to our sauce that make us who we are. Okay? These are our four characteristics that give us our own particular flavor here as a local congregation here in Fort Wayne. And so I hope that this next 12 weeks, for those of you who have been here for a long time, I hope that this season will be a time for you of encouragement and for reminders of the way that God has, has demonstrated his goodness in your life and into the life of our city, that you will remember stories, maybe that you've forgotten of the way that God has been at work in your life and in the life of our church. For those of you who are new to Broadway, who've maybe just been here for a year or two, I hope that this will be a time where you can better know this church community that God has called you to, that you would better understand what you've signed up for over the last couple years. And for those of you who may still be looking, who are still checking us out, that these 12 weeks would be a time to bring clarity to you about whether or not this is the kind of church community that God is calling you to be in your life right now. So the title of this sermon series and for their curriculum is Following Jesus Together. Following Jesus Together. And as I've been thinking about that this week, I think that this should just be our church's motto or our tagline. Following Jesus Together. We are about following Jesus. We are about discipleship. Following Jesus and becoming like him. We are learning and growing to live our lives in the way that Jesus has given to us. And we believe that in following Jesus, that we are necessarily called to community. Necessarily called together. We follow Jesus together with others. At Broadway, we are called to follow Jesus together. When I was uh, in seminary, I decided to train to run a marathon, 26.2 miles. This is a strange thing to do for anybody, but really strange for someone who doesn't like to run. And I trained for about four months to run this race, and I trained for most of it by myself. I did almost all of my training runs. I did some of them with Katie because I thought she was really cute and she was running too, and so I invited her along. So this was kind of how we got to know one another was by doing some runs together. Um, but most, for the most part, for those four months, I uh, did this training by myself which meant that there were lots of times when I was running 10 or 15 or 20 miles out all by myself. And so sometime in early November, I ran this race in Kansas City, and it was terrible. It was just terrible. At start time, it was 31 degrees, and there was this light rain and sleet coming down. And so there was this stretch from about mile 8 to 12 where I felt pretty good, but from miles 1 to 8 and then 13 through 26, it was awful. <laughs> when I got to the 25.2 mile mark, there was this sign that said, only one mile to go. And I'm not kidding you, I literally began to cry. I, tears coming out of my eyes, not out of happiness, not out of happiness, but because I still had one more mile to go. My goal was to finish in four hours, and I finished in four hours and 13 minutes, not even close. It was a terrible experience. And so I decided to run another one. <laughs> but this time, my friend Andrew joined me. 
And we decided to train and to run the race together. And it made all the difference. My training went better. When I was training by myself, it was really easy to skip a session. When I was a bit tired on a run, it was easy for me to say, oh, it's a 15-mile run today. I'll just do 12 and it'll be fine. But when I committed to train together with Andrew, everything changed. So when we had a scheduled run on Tuesday morning at 6 a.m., and it would have been easier to sleep in, I knew that Andrew was downstairs waiting for me, and so I got up and ran. When it was a 15-mile run, we ran 15 miles. When it was a 20-mile training run, we ran 20 miles. And so the second marathon I ran in Chicago, I took 20 minutes off my time, finished in three hours and 53 minutes. You see what I'm saying? That's not impressive time, by the way, at all. But I beat my time. I beat my goal. You see what I'm saying here? Neither Andrew and I are runners. Neither one of us liked running that much, but by training together, by committing to something together, we showed up with and for one another and accomplished something together that was not possible on our own. And there was some joy and persistence in the pain of all of that that I did not experience that first time around. And ever since then, getting close to 20 years now, he and I have talked about this as a, as a metaphor for understanding our spiritual lives. In our life of following Jesus, we are better together. And there are days when I wake up and I don't want to do this thing anymore. There are days when I'm discouraged and when I doubt and I wonder if this whole Christianity thing is even real. And in those moments, it's the words or the example of a brother or sister in Christ that keep me focused on the goal of following Jesus. We are better together. So for the rest of our time this morning, we're going to spend time in the book of Colossians chapter 3. And I would encourage you to turn there with me. Colossians chapter 3. And I'm going to read for us Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. And as I read this, this is going to be a verse that we come back to uh, throughout uh, this time. I think it really summarizes very well uh, the kind of church that God is calling us to be. Paul writes, verse 12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Broadway Christian Church, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. Broadway Christian Church, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and you admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, 
giving thanks to God the Father through him. As we think about these, this verse today, um, there's three things that I want us to hear. That as a church, we are called to Christ, we are called to community, and we are called to be thankful. We are called to Christ, we are called to community, and we are called to be thankful. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Broadway is here because of Jesus Christ and for Jesus Christ. He is our source, and he is our reason, and he is our goal. He is our source, and he is our reason, and he is our goal. And we are called as the church to make disciples of Jesus. This is the great commission, go and make disciples. And so here as a community, we are learning to be disciples, learning to live in the way of Jesus, learning to follow him as his disciples. And we believe that the Holy Spirit is here among us, that the Spirit of Jesus is alive and that he is in us and among us and he is transforming us, that over time, as we commit to him, that he will make us more and more more into people who are like Jesus. And so part of this curriculum that we have have put together for our small groups is to share with you not only the, the themes, these unique characteristics, but also some of the practices that we do, some of the things that we put into practice in our, in our daily or our weekly or our life year to year that help to make us disciples of Jesus. Throughout the summer, we spent time in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' longest, longest teaching in the Bible of what it means to follow him. And at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, if anyone hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And when the storms come and they beat against that house, that house will crash. But a wise person is a person who hears the words of Jesus and who does what? Who puts them into practice. That person is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And so when the winds and the waves and the storms of life come against it, that house will stand. Following Jesus takes practice. It takes practice. Your effort and your commitment to following Jesus is important. There's a saying in uh, discipleship and spiritual formation literature that says that following Jesus isn't about trying really hard, but it is about training really hard. And maybe that sounds like a bit of a semantic difference, but let's think again about training for a marathon. If you want to run a marathon, you don't start tomorrow morning and just try really hard to run 26 miles. You are not, uh, most of you, I don't know, there may be a couple of you out there who could do that tomorrow, but most of us couldn't. Now, you could try, but you're going to have a really bad day. It's going to be a really bad day, and you're probably going to fail. If you want to run a marathon, you don't try hard, but you train hard. You run three miles today, and three miles tomorrow, and three and a half miles the day after that, and four miles, and four miles, and and you build up and you train so that you become the kind of person who in one day can run 26 miles. 
Following Jesus takes practice. It takes training. And one of the things we're going to look at over these next 12 weeks are the particular practices, some of the ways that we train to become more like Jesus. And we believe here at Broadway, as we commit to follow him, as we commit to do what he says, as we commit to practice what he says, that the Holy Spirit is also at work in us, changing us to become more and more the kind of person who acts like Jesus and who does the kinds of things that Jesus does. The Christian life isn't just about trying harder. And sometimes we get, we get nervous when we start talking about effort or training. We think this is like this works and salvation thing. And, but this, the biblical writers have no problems whatsoever talking about our effort and our, atten- our intention and our discipline in following Jesus. Paul says things like, I beat my body and I make it my slave. He talks also about running. I run as, 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 a, as a person who is seeking to gain the prize. Paul says that he pursues Christ with that kind of intention and effort and single-mindedness. And if we are going to grow as a disciple of Jesus, then there is a call to decide, a call to commit, a call to arrange our days and to arrange our week in such a way that lead us to a life of following Jesus. And this isn't some sort of works righteousness that somehow if we do enough of those good things that God will accept us or love us more or whatever. That's not what we're talking about here. This is the practical outworking of people who say that in Jesus they have found the one who holds the words of eternal life. That we believe that Jesus through his death and his resurrection and his sending of the Spirit has given us eternal life. And that eternal life is not only a quantity of life, but a quality of life as well. It's not just life that goes on forever and ever. It's a quality of life that Jesus invites us into right now. One of my favorite uh, authors, Dallas Willard, says that the Christian life is not about getting into heaven after you die. It's about getting into heaven before you die. And so part of our time in the next 12 weeks, we'll be talking about some of that practice of, that we have here at Broadway, practices that have become integral to our life here at Broadway and what it means to follow Jesus together. So we are called to Christ, to commit ourselves to following him, called to Christ. And we are also called to community. In this whole passage in Colossians 3 that I read a few moments ago, what's very clear is that community is necessary in the Christian life. We are called here chosen people, not a chosen person. Now, it's true that you are also a chosen person, but Paul and most of the biblical writers talk about us as a chosen people together. We are called then to clothe ourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. These are actions that we simply can't express if we're not in close relationship with other believers. Community is necessary in the Christian life, and I don't only mean um, in the way that I described Andrew and I as being like an encouragement to one another as we ran that race. That's certainly true. But even more fundamental than that, if we aren't in a relationship with other Christians, then we're not 
We're not playing the game right. (laughs) Trying to be a Christian by yourself is not like shooting hoops outside by yourself. Trying to be a Christian without other believers is like trying to play without a ball. Okay, it just doesn't work. It's not the way that the game is played. Christian community is an essential part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It's integral. It's fundamental to it. It's not just an additional extra that, you know, I've got some friends who are, are my brothers and sisters in Christ and they help me along the way. No, that, that is the Christian life, is that relationship with our brothers and sisters. That's where it's lived out. In this Christian community that we're called to, it, it can't be entered into as some sort of social club. It's entered into with, with our whole hearts and with deep concern for the well-being of others and for the unity of that community as a whole. And so in verse 15, when Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, Paul isn't here talking about this inner tranquility. That's not the kind of peace that Paul is talking about here, although that Christ brings that as well. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart since what? Since you are members of one body, and so you were called to peace. He's talking about peace between one another. He's talking about being a community that knows that we each have different gifts and that we've received also the great gift of forgiveness from Jesus and his blood shed on the cross. And because of that, our lives should be characterized by forgiving one another and by seeking reconciliation with one another. In community, we don't always get along with one another. In, in the Bible, there, there's not a single time where there's... Um, there's a picture of the church in perfection. You know, we often read Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4 and these verses about how the church, they lived together and they ate together and so many things were, were so awesome. We look back, man, I wish we could be like the New Testament church. Well, like the next chapter, they're all arguing about who's getting enough bread. Like there's never this perfect moment in the church's life. It's always about dealing with conflict, dealing with our own personal sin and anxieties in the context of community and working that out together. That is what being a part of the church is all about. And so one of the ways that we seek to live out this calling here at Broadway is through our small groups. And over the last year, we've put a lot of energy and prayer and emphasis into our small groups because we are convinced that if we are going to grow in Christ as important and as central and as essential this Sunday morning gathering is, that we need more time and interaction with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we put a lot of time and energy to help create groups and to train leaders uh, so that people can connect in this way. It's not the only way that you can connect here at Broadway. You may have brothers and sisters in Christ you meet with one-on-one. But if you don't, if you do not have a place, uh, a group of people who are coming together for the purpose of helping you grow in Christ, I just encourage you, I challenge you to, to seek out a small group this year and make that an important part of your life. So this passage in Colossians tells us that as as followers of Jesus, we are called to Christ to commit to following him. We are called to community. And finally, we are called to be thankful. Before starting uh, preparing my sermon this week, I knew that I was going to be talking about those first two things, the call of Christ and the call 
to community. But this call to be thankful is one that emerged slowly this week as I was reading through this passage. There are three times in this short passage where Paul says, be thankful. Be thankful. Verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And then it's like he just stops and says, oh yeah, be thankful. And then he talks about singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And how do we sing them? With thankfulness, with gratitude in our hearts towards God. And then last, whatever you do, whether it's in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, doing what? Giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. I think we are called to be thankful. To be a community that is thankful for one another. Part of our unity together is is appreciating all of the strangeness and the quirkiness of our neighbors. We are called to be thankful for the diverse gifts that God has given to each one of us. Recognizing that some people have a great passion for things that we just don't even understand. Why does that person care so much about that? Why are they spending so much of their time and energy to be thankful that God has given that passion to them? When somebody doesn't understand the things that that we are passionate about and that God has given to us, be thankful that we have an opportunity to then talk with them about them and help them to understand this new facet of the manifold wisdom of God that he's given to us individually. We are trained by our culture to be discontent. We see thousands of advertisements every single day telling us how our life isn't quite as awesome as it should be. And that if only we had this or that product, then it would be awesome, right? As Americans, we are discontent people. Our souls have been trained in the practices of discontentment. And we bring that discontentment into the life of the church, The church isn't meeting my needs. The church's music is too loud or too soft or too slow or too fast. The pastor's message is too long or not meaty enough or I just don't understand. The people are too old or too young. They don't have this for me or that for my kids. And I think Paul would just look at the discontentment of church life today and would just say, would you just be thankful? (laughs) Be thankful. Look at the church differently. The church isn't about you. The church isn't about you. The church isn't about meeting your needs and your wants and fulfilling some vision of what you think the church should be. Broadway Christian Church, look around you. Just look around. These are the people that God has given to you, like it or not. These are the people that God has given to you. The person across the room that maybe you don't like so much is a unique person made in the image of God. That person, what? (laughs) That person next to you is a mirror of God to you. There's something in that person that uniquely reflects God's image in a way that no one else does. Be thankful that the person over there has a passion for something that you don't. 
Be thankful that God has given you passions that other people don't have. Be thankful that the person over there has a perspective on this world and what it means to follow Jesus that is different than yours. And how can you learn about the manifold wisdom of God from them? How can you learn from her experience, her difficult and broken life? Friends, the church, the church is not a vision. The church is not a dream. The church is the concrete, particular people right here. And as a pastor, in, in much of my, my early days, and far too often now, the church is the church that I want it to be in my mind. The vision that I have for it. I have a great plan for your life, Broadway Christian Church. <laughs> and I am learning, and you have taught me in very beautiful ways that the church is not my dream. The church is not my vision. It's not my dream. The church are the particular, beautiful, broken people right here. Right here next to us. In all of our beautiful passions and in all of our glorious successes, in our giftedness as well as in our quirkiness, in our brokenness, in our shortcomings, that's where we experience the church. We are one particular body here at Broadway that God is using to demonstrate his manifold, infinite wisdom to the world. God has already established this community. Our fellowship here already exists. And we enter into this community not as people who demand who demand that this community fulfills my vision and my dream for the church, we enter into this community as grateful recipients of God's gifts. That's Dietrich Bonhoeffer, by the way. We don't enter into the church fellowship as people who make demands that the church be what I think it should be. We enter into the fellowship of the church as recipients of God's good gifts to us. One another. And again, in all of our, our glorious beauty and successes and our, our, our giftedness, as well as in our brokenness, in our trials, in our pain, and our annoyances, we receive the fellowship of the community as a gift from God. Be thankful. Be thankful in your hearts. Be thankful. Three times in this passage, Paul tells us to be thankful. We are called to Christ, we are called to community, and we are called to be thankful. I am thankful for you. I'm thankful for the work that God has done in me because of you. I'm thankful for the healing that he has brought to me in my life. I'm thankful that you've taught me about steadfast worship. I'm thankful that you've shown me what uncommon unity looks like. I'm thankful for your example of faithful witness to Jesus. I'm thankful for you. Thank you. And so, as we are at this moment in our church's life, I want to ask for you to commit with me to pray 
to pray every single day over the next 12 weeks for the good and new and beautiful things that God has in store for us. Again, myself and the elders have some ideas of what some of those things would be, but we believe that most of them are going to be surprises along the way. And so would you commit with me to pray every day that God would bring about his new and his good and his beautiful things here among us at Broadway. Father, we, we thank you for this, this community of faith that you, that you have made. Remind us, Lord, that, we are, uh, that we're not that special, <laughs> that there are other churches all around that we can look at and we can learn from and we can see the ways that they are reflecting your manifold wisdom to the world. But Lord, also remind us that you do have a unique and particular calling for us. That you've made us to be a particular kind of people for this time and for this place and for this moment in our city and in our world. And we ask that, that each of us individually will commit to Christ, to commit with intention to follow him and to pick up our cross daily and to follow him. We pray that we would take seriously the call to community, the call to be together with other brothers and sisters in Christ so that they will encourage us and challenge us on days when we just want to give up. But God, also a way that we bring our own gifts and we're able to practice patience and long-suffering and where we learn what it means to forgive as we've been forgiven. And Lord, I pray that you would make us a thankful people. Thankful for what you have done for us in Jesus. For the Holy Spirit that you have given to us. And for this community that you have made here. That you would make us a grateful, thankful people for the gifts that we have.